Ladies and gentlemen, now boarding for Latitude, the travel photography podcast on the Improve Photography Network. And now your hosts, Brian McGuckin and Brent Bergherm. Welcome back to Latitude, the travel photography podcast. I'm Brian McGuckin, and this episode is going to be different than normal because Brent is with us, but not until later on. So on today's episode, this is going to be a two-part show. I'll be leading the first half of the episode with an interview with Craig Strong, the CEO of Lens Baby, and then I will hand it over to Brent, who is going to be interviewing Emily Jepson with her My Sunset app uh, that is designed to help forecast upcoming sunrises and sunsets. And so I thought this would be a, a good topic for kind of tools for travel. So a couple of different things to help you when you're uh, planning your next travel and you're actually there. So first, I just want to welcome and thank Craig for joining us. Hey, Craig, how are you? Hey, Brian, I'm doing well. Awesome. Thanks, Craig. So, Craig, you are the CEO of Lens Baby, correct? Well, um, my my role is not as a CEO. I'm I'm the founder, and um, uh, yeah, I, I brought on people that could could do things like uh, like business a little bit better than I could. But I'm hmm. I'm the creative. Um, Let's see, Chief Creative Officer at Lens Baby and um, and the co-founder. So you probably have a lot of titles. You probably uh, many things yeah, on I've, one. Yeah, I've been a lot of things. I, I've been the general manager. I've been uh, the president, and I guess on on some paperwork, I, I still am. But but really, what I what I do is I work in research and I come up with new ideas and uh, design them to the point where we can turn them over to engineers that can make real products out of them. All right. Sounds pretty fancy. Before yeah, you were all that, job. though, you were you were actually a photographer, right? Tell us briefly just about your photography career. Let's see. My photography career uh, started in college as a freshman, and I started working for the college newspaper. And um, over the course of the next uh, four and a half years, I was working in daily newspapers in the Los Angeles area and weekly papers, anywhere I could get my my photos in and, and shoot sports or shoot, shoot news. And I got addicted to, uh, photojournalism and, and just that, that whole idea of, of capturing something that hasn't happened yet and anticipating that. And, and then I enjoyed seeing my name under the, under the photo and the LA times and the New York times or the places that I was lucky enough to get into in college. And then uh, that just became the career that I headed in, uh, headed toward after I graduated with a liberal arts degree that had nothing to do with photography. And um, in 93, left uh, a full-time job at a weekly paper to go freelance. And uh, it was about 10 years later that I uh, set up the business side of Lens Baby in October of 2003. And... Um, about three years later, shut down my photography business and went full time with Lens Baby. All right, so let's talk for a second about Lens Baby. What exactly, for for anybody who has never heard of Lens Baby, which I'm sure everyone's come across some of their pictures that have used those lenses before, tell the listener basically what that is. So Lens Baby helps photographers find their visual voice and. And that's a little different than the way we started out. We started out as a product company that came out with this new lens that saw the world in a different way. And, um, you know, you could, it was very versatile where the guy standing next to you or the woman st standing next to you with, with another exactly the same lens baby could get a completely different image. Um, 
And so that really became the foundation for what what we got as feedback from our photographers, which was I I had a visual voice that I hadn't discovered until I found Lens Baby. So now that's really what we focus on is giving you the tools to really find the way you see the world that you haven't been able to see before. Um, and we do that by giving you a whole lineup. We've got probably eight different effects over the course of mm, probably a dozen different products that are available for any given um, any given camera, uh, that interchangeable lens camera. And from there, as people find that that a particular product is opening up the world to them in a way that they didn't see before. Uh, that's that's where Lens Baby finds meaning and purpose and in the in people's lives and careers and the way they see the world. Mm-hmm. I like the way you say that. With the way you see the world. Uh, recently, I traveled to Paris and I had been there once before, and I've just have thought. Yeah, you know, returning to another country for this was the first time going back to a country I've been to. You know, I've shot hours and hours of photos of the Eiffel Tower, and I thought this time I want to do something different. I was looking for something that would uh, spark some creativity in me. So I came across the Composer Pro 2 uh, mm-hmm. with the Edge 50 optic and took that with me. And I thought, I want to try this just to explore with it to force me to kind of see with a, a different set of eyes. And I, and I did. And so I was excited to try something different to spark some creativity. And it, it was a challenge at first because it's not your typical lens. You know, you can't just put it on <laughs> yeah. and, you know, focus and then shoot. Um, how, how would you describe the way this lens works? The This lens or some of your other ones similar to it? So let me... Let me step back a little bit because I'm as as the kind of idea guy behind the product. It's easy for me to describe how it works mechanically and optically because I wrapped my brain around that long <laughs> enough to to work with our engineers to make it work. Um, but I'd like to step back and think uh, and and see if this resonates with you as far as how it works for helping you find the way you see the world that you might not have been able to see had you not come across that lens. Um, the best way, okay, I'm just going to try a way to describe that. Now, I would say that the the Edge 50 gives that really familiar um, perspective of a 50 millimeter optic and, and the you know, the sharpness and allows you to move that sharpness in a way that can interact with different parts of your subject matter and different places within your image uh, that's not just flat. So it gives a dimensionality to through tilting the plane of focus and the depth of field in a way that it interacts with your subject that is just not normal. Um, and what's great about the combination of the the Edge 50 with our um, Composer Pro is that you can tilt that for anywhere from none and just point it straight ahead and get a, a typical prime lens type image to all the way to 15 degrees, which is like twice as much as as most tilt shift lenses allow, and that gives just a huge amount of variability. And like I said earlier about the 
the fact that you can be standing next to someone with the exact same lens, baby lens, and get a completely different image, that versatility to tilt in any direction um, with any amount of tilt gives that three-dimensionality to your depth of field interacting with your three-dimensional subject matter. Um, it's it's magic in the sense that it's so different than what you can do with a typical lens. Mm-hmm. And that, that was one of the aspects that I enjoyed about it was I just sat there for a while and I pointed it towards Eiffel Tower and I moved it around and twisted it up and down and you know spun it and kind of focused on it and off of it and each time you're just seeing a a different image each time Mm -hmm. Um, there is a real big learning curve to it like it took me a while to to finally be like okay I I nailed that one I finally got it right (laughs) yeah it's a it's a completely different process that you go through And, and I'd say all lens babies have that sense because they're so different than a typical lens we you know, you get to know a 28 millimeter, and it's not that much different than a 35 millimeter or a 50 millimeter in in a traditional lens, other than your your field of view, a little bit different in in depth of field. But this is taking that and kind of throwing on it on its head, where your your depth of field is now moving at a non-parallel plane and that non-parallel plane can be in any orientation and in any amount of tilt so yeah it 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 takes some time and it is a manual lens it's manual focus manual tilt manual um aperture uh so yeah there's a lot of things going on and and i would say that that lens baby is for the photographer that's looking to learn something new it's not for someone that just wants an effect Mm -hmm. um if you're used to swiping through an app and uh, and choosing an effect, and that's satisfying to you, then then probably stick with that. But if you're really looking for something more that can then can harken back to the more traditional way of creating uh, photography or, or effects within photography that are not necessarily uh, the effects that that the major lens makers decided are the ones that are valuable, then then you know you that's that's what lens baby does and so if you're attracted to that then then the learning curve may be something that you're willing to go through now i want to give you a chance to expand on that or almost in a way to restate that again because when i've talked with other photographers before about you know tilt shift lenses and and things Mm -hmm. that are similar to it uh, a lot of times one of the first responses which i'm sure you've heard is well you can do that with a filter you know so expand on that you know with how is this different than and you kind of addressed it a little bit but i just want you maybe to restate it again because i think that's important like this isn't just a a filter it's not something you just apply as you're scrolling through so uh, elaborate on that a little bit more if you would so there's there's the technical explanation which i think is valid and and that is that you're you're dealing with a three-dimensional world with a, a depth of field that you can move to interact with that three-dimensional world in a, in a non-traditional way. So you can, you can have your subject matter and your depth of field all be affected um, and take into account that those three dimensions. Um, now, the biggest part of that for me is it's the process. 
I still use filters. I don't. I rarely use blur effects for filters, but I do a lot of other things in filters. But those things are still great tools. It's not that LensBaby invalidates any of that. It's that it gives you an option that takes into account factors. Once you're working in Photoshop or Lightroom or, or some other program with an image, you're working with a two-dimensional image. Your, your world has been reduced to two dimensions. LensBaby's focus effects are interacting with that three-dimensional world before it ever goes into two dimensions. And so it opens up new options and it allows you to interact with your subject while you're looking through the camera rather than think two or three steps ahead. What is this going to look like? What am I going to do to it later? I find that when I'm looking through the camera at, uh, you know, through the image that and the effect that I want, let me start that over. I find that when I'm looking through the effect that I'm after, that I take very different images than if I'm thinking two or three steps ahead to what I want to do with it later. So my images really match the, the, the special effect that I'm using because I'm looking through my viewfinder and seeing how that interacts with my subject in real time. So that's, that's part of my vision. And again, it's really part of the process. If you're, if you're interested in being more a part of the process and spending less time sitting behind a computer screen, um, then lens baby is something you should try out. I, I believe you would probably have to, you've had to answer that question before, haven't you? Oh, absolutely. And I would say that, that, lens baby the lens baby effect like the final result our biggest competition is software and it always has been it was hard when we came out in 2004 for people to get something compelling and do it easily you can make something compelling and gorgeous very quickly and very easily now um is is that what you're if that's just kind of a side, you know, and you're doing what you want to do as a photographer through the lens, great. Don't don't try anything new. But if if you want to stretch your vision of the world while you're looking through the camera and see what might come up, see things that you couldn't see otherwise, that's when Lens Baby comes in and and has meaning to photographers that may not otherwise be interested in uh, trying mm-hmm. trying something that. Uh, that is so specific. Yeah. And I'm glad to hear you say all that because to me, that is the part that I enjoyed the most was sitting there and spending a half hour, just looking through and moving it around and and changing my focus. And again, it it was frustrating at first, but once you start to get it, then it's, it was enjoyable. And, Uh you know, in the past I would have been the type to be like, yeah, I'll just, you know, put this picture on my phone and Instagram, do a filter, but it was about the process. And I don't think it's for everybody. It's definitely not for a beginning photographer because I think they're going to be confused by it. But, um, what I liked about it was it forced me to think and it was sparking some creativity. And I think when you travel a lot, you know, you're, you're used to snapping some quick photos along the way and then you go to the next place and you snap there and, and, I think a lens such as this just helped to spark some creativity in me. And when I switched back to some of my other lenses, it, it 
kind of was still in my mind of, okay, how can I capture this differently? You know, where am I going to focus at and so forth? So that's one thing that I really enjoyed about having that lens with me at that time. Well, that's great. And, and I think we're all jealous of you sitting there uh, beneath the Eiffel, Eiffel <laughs> Tower and being able to explore something new. Um, <laughs> certainly sounds like fun. It was. And I don't normally get that in my life. So, uh, I mean, I have been blessed to be able to travel a lot. But that was the first time that I forced myself to just be still and soak something up. So I enjoyed that's, that. That's great. Yeah. Now, you guys have, I believe, did you say you've got about a dozen different types of lenses? Yeah, um, we've got an optic swap system, which has six or eight different optics. We've had as many as 14 over the years, but I believe we have six that are out right now that that goes into the Composer Pro. So you can get different effects. You can get the Petsful old world um, swirl in the background with, with the Twist 60. You can get the, the slice of focus that you could with a view camera or a tilt shift lens with the um, Edge 50. Uh, you can get the, the curved depth of field that, that probably most of your users are our uh, listeners are used to in terms of the effect from Lens Baby. It's, a, it's actually a, a curved field of view, which curves back toward the camera, and the tip of that curve creates one sweet spot of focus. And outside of that, that spot of focus, um, you have gradually increasing blur. Let's see, we've got a circular fisheye lens with uh, the area around the super sharp image circle, which is a full 185 degrees on even on APS-C cameras, uh, circular image. Outside of that, we put a reflective surface on the inside of the lens that doesn't impact that circle, that gives wonderful flare and uh, re- reflections and whatnot as a border. Uh, we have the Velvet series, where we have the Velvet 56 and Velvet 85, which are macro-focusing primes that at the brightest apertures have this beautiful velvety glow over tack sharp detail so even even as the glow comes in to the image at the brightest apertures you have just wonderful detail underneath that glow and you can control the amount of glow to where when you stop down to f4 or 5 6 you've just got a beautiful prime lens with just a little bit of effect on the very corners of a full frame image um, and then as you open it up, it just becomes this dramatic, uh, romantic feel to it. Um, old world type images. Um, yeah, with a really flat field of view. So, so there's lots of stuff that we've got. Um, and, you know, we've retired a bunch of other things over the years and we've got a bunch in the works. Okay. Are they mainly for Canon shooters, Nikon, what type of bodies does or does yeah, it not work? And for? Yeah, any interchangeable lens camera uh, that has a sensor micro four thirds or bigger. So the Nikon uh, interchangeable lens and the Pentax and whatnot, uh, or not Pentax, there's a sm- another smaller one that I'm not thinking of that uh, I guess it is Pentax Q. Uh, we don't have them for that, but we have it f- for eight different camera mounts, including micro four thirds and Fuji and Sony and Canon and Nikon and the the SLR, Sony, and I'm probably not, and Pentax, and I know I'm not thinking of one or two, but at any rate, yeah, any interchangeable lens camera, essentially. Okay. Now, you know, as a, as a travel photographer, you're very uh, 
picky about the lenses you bring with and typically how much gear you want to bring with you. Uh, and I think a lot of people that do travel photography usually are doing some type of street or landscape, not as much portrait, but you might have that. So if you were to pick one lens that you think would be best recommended for any of the listeners who just like to travel, is there a specific lens that you would say would be kind of your first choice? Well, I'm going to complicate that answer a little bit because I'm going to say the Composer Pro, but the Composer Pro has interchangeable optics. So you can have a little tiny additional optics. So I would say the Composer Pro with the, the Edge 50 and the Sweet 35. You've got two different looks and two different focal lengths. And so those would be my top two. That'd be my top lens, and it happens to have an accessory that's an optic. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll definitely have to look into those. And okay. I know a lot of times I also just pull out my phone and take some shots with that. And you've got a set of lenses for the iPhone? Yes? Or for we smartphones? Do, yeah. Yep. And uh, so two of those lenses have a, a curved field of, of view, which we worked really hard on to get because it's hard to get actual um, – depth of field effects within a phone one is a tiny little it turns the image upside down as part of its process and then our app turns it right side up tiny little sweet spot which super impressionistic outside of that sweet spot and then the other one is more like our our um our sweet 35 or our sweet 50 um and then we we also have one that gives you a kaleidoscope effect now do you have to have the app in order to get these effects no, you don't. It's just that our app will focus on the very center of the image with fewer pixels than the iPhone app, um, which is important, especially for the LM10. And it'll also turn your image right side up um, just by flipping uh, or by touching a button there. It will uh, turn your upside down image right side up and, and it's a little less disconcerting. Okay. Um, now something just struck me and I, and I should have tried this when I was there was how do these work if you're recording video? Are there any where you're like, yeah, this is kind of fun to play with or no, some of these just, just wouldn't work. Cause I think that'd be neat to record the video and sit there and see the changes take place. Does that work? Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's one of the places that lens baby lenses are great for is that you know, it's really time consuming to put depth of field effects into video um, and expensive and you have to have very expensive machines. So, so we end up seeing our our lenses be used in in major productions and in feature length films and in a lot of Netflix and Amazon series just because they can put it on there. They've got the effect. All they have to do is just put it through their normal work workflow but but stepping back to you and me absolutely the the iphone lenses that we sell are um give you that that spot of focus and that movement it the movement that happens throughout the the blur around the outside of of your image outside of your sweet spot it just really exacerbates not exacerbates that's bad um it, it really emphasizes what's going on and uh, in, in the spot that you, you want your viewer to look. Um, another great use of this, uh, especially with the LM20 and then the LM30, is for panoramas because you can do a panorama and it's taking that, that center area 
and then it's layering the depth of field around the outside. Um, and so you get this slice of focus going through your image that's long, uh, and then you you get blur above and below and left and right. And then also with the LM30, it's really cool uh, to get that kaleidoscope thing going on just on the edges and uh, and the center being tack sharp. So it's, there's there's some really fun stuff you can do with that. Now, the, the panorama, you need to do that in the, the regular Apple app. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, it sounds like you have so many different lenses that provide so many different options for you and again it's it is fun uh for i'm sure that those that own one you know what i'm talking about when it well fun in a frustrating you know enjoyable way like it's rewarding (laughs) at the end you know you're kind of frustrated in the beginning because like okay how does this work how do i do that and then it clicks and you're like ah yes i've got it now yeah i had a high school teacher a health teacher that had this quote that stuck with me and it's anything worth doing well is worth doing poorly for a short while (laughs) I like that and I think that applies to lens baby for sure for me it really has and and mastering that has given me the ability to to show the world in a way I just never could have shown before Mm -hmm. right, well Craig uh, other than going to the website which it's just lensbaby.com where are some other spots that you would recommend being able to see maybe um, some of your work maybe that you've you've shot or some of the different results you can get with the different lenses? There's several great communities on Facebook, including Lens Baby Artistry and Lens Baby Addicts, that you can go to, and there's just this amazing group of really talented photographers that have decided to some of them make their main artistic expression be through our products and and they're really helpful and i would say anybody that's interested in finding the freshest most exciting work uh from from lens baby should should go talk to those users and talk to the people that are are out there using it a bunch of them are doing like they every year they're like oh this is the new product and i'm going to do a photo every day with this one lens baby lens and then the next year they're like well lens baby came out with three more lenses last year i'm going to pick this one uh and so there's just these this amazing body of work that's being built out there uh that's really inspiring and and uh so so if you don't use facebook uh there we've got lots of galleries on on lensbaby.com and, um, you know, as far as buying the product, B&H and Adorama and, uh, you know, there's just pl- tons of places out there for, for people to go and, and find reviews and, and resources. So. And Instagram as well, I assume? Absolutely. Instagram, yeah. See, at See in a New Way is Lens Baby's handle. And um, we can, yeah, they can check out the things we're retweeting and, or whatever you do on on Instagram and, uh, and, you know, sharing some of the best work that's out there. Awesome. Well, if, uh, any listeners are curious as to how my Eiffel Tower shot finally turned out, uh, you can check my Instagram out. It's at Brian McGuckin, uh, B-R-I-A-N-M-C-G-U-C-K-I-N. You'll find it when you search through improved photography. But again, uh, that lens was done with the Composer Pro 2, uh, with the Edge 50 Optic. 
so that shot is. So I'll, I'll post that on Instagram uh, after we're done recording here, and listeners will be able to see that. So, uh, Craig, we always end each episode with a dream destination, and I figured before we hand things over to Brent, I'd uh, give you a chance. You know, we like to talk about kind of a dream place where we'd like to go next. So is there any place that you've got set up uh, in the future for you? You know, I would love some January when it's wet and cold in Portland to go spend a couple weeks in Argentina or Chile and um, and spend time in uh, just the beauty of the wilderness there. And I'm, I'm a fly fisherman and to be able to, to hike the unspoiled regions of, of those countries, I, I, would, I would love to do that. I've always wanted to do that and just never have. Very good. Well, maybe we can fly down together because my dream destination was to go to the Galapagos Islands. Oh, so, off of Ecuador there. So you know, we're we'd be on, on the, the same way. continent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Might as well. Might as well. <laughs> Patagonia and yeah. Oh yeah. And uh, Galapagos. Let's do it. Yep. Definitely. All right. Well, thanks, Craig, for uh, for joining us, and let's go ahead and hand things over to Brent. Actually, before we hand things over, we'd like to take a second and thank our sponsor of this episode. This episode is sponsored by the Improve Photography Retreat 2018 in Charleston, South Carolina. From March 20 to 22, come join us with some of your favorite photographers from the Improve Photography Network, also other popular photographers, and learn all kinds of topics from landscape photography to portrait photography to post-processing and beginner topics as well. The fun thing about the Improve Photography Retreat is that it's all hands-on. We want to get you shooting and spending time behind the camera and send you home with a great portfolio of images. Check it out at improvephotography.com and click on retreat at the top of the page. And we're back, but this time we've changed hosts. That's one of the beautiful things, I think, with teaming up with someone like Brian. I get to be able to uh, share these responsibilities. This is Brent Bergherm continuing the show. Thank you so much for that interview, Brian. And here we go with another interview. But just before that, there's actually a few things I wanted to announce. First off, some of you know on my site, brentrenslenses.com, I have been doing some free Saturdays for a while, and I've decided to go ahead and just continue doing that. I really like what's happening there. My customers are certainly appreciating that, and I've enjoyed being able to offer this as well. So uh, any product on the site, any, I should say, regular product on the site, you'll be able to reserve it like normal, and it's just automatic where the weekend rate will actually show up as a two-day rate for you. There's nothing you need to do as far as a coupon code or anything like that. It's just automatic. So head on over to the site Brent Rents Lenses and you'll get your free Saturdays for your rentals. Of course, that goes out for whatever as far as, you know, if you wanted to reserve it for the summer, reserve it for the springtime. I'll keep that activated through the spring. So just head on over there and see if there's anything you like. Another item that I wanted to announce is my Croatia workshop is now available on my personal website. That's brentbergherm.com. You can also head on over to improvephotography.com slash Brent, and it will just forward you right there. I'm looking forward to taking six photographers in September of 2018 to my favorite spots in Croatia, and we're actually going to spend a day in Bosnia-Herzegovina. There's some awesome things to shoot there as well, and I'm very excited to be able to take people there. So we'll be looking at some spectacular waterfalls, some historic old towns and cities, beautiful Adriatic coast, and there's just a bunch more we'll be looking at as well. So head on over to the site, again, improvephotography.com slash Brent, 
and that'll just forward you right to the info page for that workshop. And while you're there, I've got a little teaser going for another workshop I'm actually putting together. If this is something that interests you, uh, just click on that travel with me button that's at the top of the site and you'll be able to find my second European destination happening also this summer of 2018. So click on over to the site and see what might work out for you. It'd be awesome to have you come along with me and five other photographers to these beautiful locations that Europe has to offer. All right, so without any further ado, let's head on over to our interview with Emily Jepson. So here we go. How would you describe yourself, Emily? I'm probably just a software engineer that decided to build my own app, I guess is what I would how I would describe it. <laughs> awesome. A software engineer. So what kind of software do you engineer usually? I've mostly focused on web applications in the past. This is my it's actually my second app that I've built, my first one for myself. So Okay, very cool. And so the app that we're talking about, is it available in the Android as well as the uh, iOS store? It is. It's available for both. Awesome. And it's called My Sunset. And so yep. take us through a little bit about My Sunset. Give me a little bit of the background history, maybe how long it took you to create the app, but also just, you know, what gave you the the inspiration to say, you know what, this is something that I need to, to provide and, and fulfill for the community. Yeah. So it was, it's kind of a combination of things all coming together. About nine months ago, I actually quit my job. Uh, I was kind of burning out there and decided I needed to move on to new things. At the same time, I heard about, uh, there's a website called sunsetwx.com, which is where all the data comes from for the app. Um, and I heard about them providing an API, which is basically a way to talk to their data behind the scenes and to extract that data into an app. Nice. So I kind of heard about that at the exact same time. And I was like, oh, that sounds awesome. This could be kind of the next thing I want to do. Um, and I, at the same time, I was looking at learning some new technologies and thought this would be the perfect way to do that. So Very it's kind cool. of those things all coming together. So the whole point here that we're looking for with this app and being able to tap into that data is to be able to predict what a sunset is going to look like as it relates to the beautiful, colorful clouds. Is that exactly is, that's the main idea? But you yep, also have so sunrise they, in there too. So it's not just sunsets, but you have sunrise too, it looks like. <laughs> exactly. I, I kind of had to decide on a naming, thought I'd focus on sunset, but it does have both sunrise and sunset information in there. Great. So walk us through the app. I have it up on my phone so I can talk through it with you as we are talking here. And listeners, I understand that, you know, what I'll try and do as she's talking about something, I may be jumping in and uh, describing things and, and whatnot as well to give a, a further explanation of what I'm seeing here in the app. Uh, is it a free download? It is. There are some upgrades available, but the, the main part of it's free. Awesome. So people could download it. They can play around and see if it's something that they want to do. And then it uh, looks like the paid add-ons are to get an ad-free version. And then there's a notifications upgrade as well. So, uh, yep, But otherwise, exactly. the main functionality is free. Yep. Great. So walk me through it. The first item I see along the bottom, we've got some tabs along the bottom, some buttons to push along the bottom. The first one is map. Help me understand uh, the functionality of the map. So this, if you've ever been to sunsetwx.com, this was kind of replicating what they have there, but kind of in a more interactive way. Okay. So on the website, on their website, you, you pull it up and it just shows a map of the entire United States. Mm. They've expanded a little globally. You can choose different options for global options, but it basically shows you tonight sunset and tomorrow morning sunrise. So this was kind of mirror to mirror the same thing. It shows a little bit more information, kind of just what you would need for basic sunrise and sunset information. 
it displays a map with a color grid of where the sunset will be good versus bad. Uh, so like if you pull it up, you might see on mine with my current location, it shows some red, which means the red means it's going to be a pretty good sunset. It shows some blue, which is not so great, and some purple, which pretty much means it's either you're going to be completely clouded over or zero clouds at all. So it also shows some basic sunrise, sunsets, you know, times. Uh, it shows the temperature of whatever you're looking at. Um, up on the top, there are some arrows that you can change the date. So you can change to look in the future up to five days. Okay, so it goes five days ahead. Just yep. by tapping the button to the right, we can advance, let's say, so for now, we're recording on a Tuesday. I can tap it and it will show me what Wednesday prediction is looking like. And that's that's interesting. It just totally changes up the map. And you can also pinch and zoom on the map so you can zoom out and then scroll yourself around and then it'll repaint that picture, if you want to call it that, where the, the red overlays, the yellow overlays, the blue overlays are happening. Yep, exactly. Good. What have you found as far as the the accuracy and the in its ability to predict uh, such things? Uh, certainly, the data is not yours; uh, it's coming right. from this other website, and so you're just tapping into that. Uh, what kind of accuracy would you say? Because you know, it's saying if it's bright red, you know, it's, it's somewhere in the neighborhood of seventy to eighty percent chance that this is going to happen. Is that you know, is that generally the case? Have you tested it out yourself or is it just we're relying on someone else's data there? How does that work? So that's a great question. Um, I have, you know, I'm, I'm probably one of the biggest users of my app, which is the main reason why I wrote the app. Sure. Uh, so I've, I've kind of gone and tested it myself and it really, you know, it's, it's kind of like weather forecasts. You, yeah. it, sometimes it's reliable and sometimes it's not. I have found when it's a very, very high percentage, um, probably 85 and above, um, that's when you're almost guaranteed something great. Okay. Um, and usually if it's like dark purple, then you're pretty much guaranteed that it's not going to be good at all. But it's kind of in that in-between spot. It's kind of a flip of a coin if it's good or bad. Okay, cool. Yeah, and it's very interesting too. I, uh, I was just flipping like for tomorrow, uh, for my area, it's showing a really awesome sunset. Uh, potential uh, a little bit to the east or excuse me the west of me and so that's pretty cool uh, but then I started thinking well how do I know if it's telling me what sunset is or, or sunrise is but I see immediately below that date uh, that day identifier there's actually a little toggle switch that you can flip back and forth to show you on the map whether you're dealing with sunrise or sunset so that's kind of a nice feature too Yep, exactly. There's also, we haven't gotten to the next tab yet, but the next tab is, I found most people's favorite tab. Um, it kind of shows you a list view of the next five days of sunrises and sunsets. Yeah, and so, so the next tab is locations. So you can add locations. For instance, I can add my home city. Uh, maybe I could add where my folks live or any other interest I have. Yep. And so... Talk me through the tab, the table of data. It gives me a tabular form of data. I see the different days. So for today on Tuesday, uh, certainly the sunrise has already happened. So that area is blank. But on the lower part of it, it says uh, 47%. Uh-huh. So by default, it will add your current location uh, if you've enabled a location for the app. Okay. Um, and then you can add as many locations as you want. For my area, I, I tend to try and do something a little north of me, a little south of me, east and west, just to, if I want something close by, I kind of have options there because it tends to differ depending on the area. Sure. 
Um, and then, like you said, it, it shows the next five days, starting with if it can get this morning's information, like if it's maybe just before sunrise, it'll get it. Otherwise, it won't get that information. Sure. Um, but other than that, it loads the next five days worth of data along with the time for sunrise and sunset. Okay. Yeah, I see the times there. And, and that is also everything you're pulling is from that website. There's no other data coming from a different source? Uh, correct. They actually send me the sunrise and sunsets. <clears throat> sunset times with that data for, for those locations. Good. Yep. Well, that's awesome. Is there yep. a limit to how many locations we can add? Uh, no, you can add as many as you want. Um, it can get a little bit long and, you know, just a little hard to manage if you add too many, but yeah, you can add as many as you want. Awesome. I do just as a note, I have, I do have some things I'm working on, on this tab to filter by locations that are like within a certain mile radius of you. Oh, I've, I've yeah. heard, I've heard some feedback of people that travel a lot that say, you know, when I'm close to home, I want everything within maybe a 200 mile radius, but then I travel to this one location a lot. I don't need both locations in there at the same time. Yeah, that might make sense. Maybe there's a couple of different cities 50 miles away and we're in one of them and we want to have that location tab show just those places within maybe within distance order. Like it would just, we could have the option to say, you know, whatever's closest to me. Is that what right. you're looking like doing? Potentially. Yeah. yeah. Either setting like a radius of how many miles or sorting by distance, something yeah. like that. Cool. That's great. As we go to the next tab along the bottom is settings. So we have a default so back view. On that last tab. Oh, Sorry. Yeah. No, that's all right. <laughs> uh, one thing so, and this kind of goes towards the additional features. If you touch the three dots on the right side of any of the locations, yes, uh, that's where you can set up alerts. And alerts are one of the upgrades that you can purchase. Okay. Um, but you can set up alerts, sunrise alerts, sunset, sunset alerts, as well as the threshold for uh, the default 70%. So if you want to be notified if it's mm. above that percentage okay. and then how many hours of uh, beforehand you want to be notified. Yeah. So for Thursday, I've got a 76% sunrise here. So when would it give me that alert as far as uh, if I were to pay for that alerts feature, would it give it to me the night before? Would it give me an alarm an hour beforehand? When would it give me that alert? That's completely up to you. However you want to configure that. I have it. I think it's up to 36 hours in advance. Okay. So, and it's 36 hours from when the sunset is. So it would okay. be probably the previous day around... 5 a.m. Yeah. Or uh, whenever the sunset is relative to that yeah. time. Okay, cool. So, yeah, you know, and if you want it just an hour before, you can set it set it up that way as well. Excellent. That's good. All right. So the settings we can as we open the app, there's a default uh, view setting for map or locations. We can decide which temperature we want to look at, whether it's Celsius or Fahrenheit. Uh describe for me the default zoom. There's in and out. So on the map screen, a lot of people, uh, it's more of a preference if you want it, you know, by default, I think it zooms a little bit in, you can make it so it zooms out a little bit more. So you aren't having to pinch it to zoom out. Oh, okay. So it gives you a wider view of, of your location by default. Yeah. Of course, you can always zoom in or out otherwise. Yep. And then map opacity, low and high. What does that mean? So also on the map page, uh, it's the intensity of the colors that you see on that page. Um, I've heard some people like it lower, some people like it higher. So I put it in as a setting that you can make it so it's like really dark colors or you can make it a little bit lighter so you can see the map better underneath the colors. Oh my, yeah. When I, when I change it, this colors become way more saturated. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and possibly it's hard. You know, that, that really gets you encouraged to say, that's going to be an awesome sunset. Right. <laughs> um, but then you can't hardly see it does block out. I like personally the low opacity so I can still see my city uh, titles, the road uh, sections, the rivers and whatnot that are still on the map. So that's yep, cool. Exactly. And I've heard it both ways, people, people's preferences. So awesome. I think you mentioned when you're on the website, there's some global opportunities that this has. Uh, that they have with it. Does your app support, like if I'm traveling in Europe or South America or anything like that, does your app support those locations as well? Yes, it does. I'm not, I haven't gone to a lot of those locations, so I don't know about the accuracy there, but they do provide data for all those locations. Okay. Well, that's pretty interesting. So as a, as someone planning for a trip, I could see, especially I should say as someone looking out for the next day or so if i'm in a location whether it's the oregon coast or wherever might be good to tap into this app and just kind of take a look and see you know what the weatherman is at least saying as as far as what it looks like for uh the potential colors for sunrise and sunset that's pretty exactly sweet. that's pretty yeah. sweet anything else you'd like to mention did we did we get it all or how are we how are we doing uh with it with uh with the coverage here there's i see you have the moonrise and, and the moonset as well as sunrise and sunset obviously so you've got quite yep. a bit of data coming through here yeah i've i think that's just about it i try to put you know kind of the minimal information that's needed but also enough that you can get the at least basic information you need so very cool well yeah thanks for coming on and give me just a little bit as far as um a little bit of idea about yourself i, f- I failed to ask in the beginning uh, you're a listener to the IP uh, podcasts. What type of photography do you shoot? Are you mostly the nature types where this is, I think you said you wanted, you wanted to write this for yourself. Do you mostly do the nature type photography? Yeah. So I do a lot of backpacking. I love uh, oh, nice. uh, landscape photography. So very good. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much, Emily, for yeah. coming on the show. And Thanks we so appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. And we appreciate you talking with us about the app. And again, that's My Sunset and it is available in Android Store. I don't know what they call that because I'm on the iPhone. So it's also available (laughs) on iTunes. uh, Google Play Store. Google Play Store. Thank you. A big thanks again to Emily for joining me and talking with me about the app, her My Sunset app. So check it out. Give it a download and it just might make your planning that much easier when you're looking to head out for sunset. All right. So my destination of the week that I wanted to do really quick is Western North Carolina. Western North Carolina is just absolutely beautiful. And the reason I chose this for my destination of the week is because I am a waterfall nut. And this place is absolutely filled with waterfalls. Of course, where I live in the Pacific Northwest, we've got tons of waterfalls as well. And that's all wonderful, fine and good. But if you head on over to wncwaterfalls.info, you're going to be shown just this beautiful map. Well, it's not that beautiful, I guess, but you'll be shown this awesome map that has all these waterfalls plugged in with their locations in a brief description and sometimes a little more than a brief description, depending on how popular that waterfall is. So I am hopeful I can also get out there this summer. I would love to get out there and shoot some waterfalls in Western North Carolina. So everybody, thank you so much for listening. And until next time, happy shooting. Bye-bye. Views expressed on this program by independent host guests and callers do not necessarily reflect their views of improved photography LLC or its advertisers. Some links mentioned on this program are affiliate links where a commission is earned.